Hello and welcome to the 52 List Podcast with me, Maria Seal. Today we have oh, the one, the only, the inspirational, the ever-empowering Tori Dunlap from The Financial Feminist, the new book that just came out, the number one business podcast, Financial Feminist, and you've probably seen her on TikTok, on Instagram. She's everywhere at her first 100K. Welcome to the show, Tori. What a hell of an introduction. Thank you for having me. It's so weird when someone reads your bio in front of you. It's a very bizarre experience. It's, so it's thank awkward. you. <laughs> but you did it, and that's who you are. And damn, do you deserve a little vacay. So tomorrow, Tori is taking a month long sabbatical. I am. I am taking all of February off. Well, like most of it, 26 days, but I think that counts. And uh, my team's taking a week off in there as well. We are doing oh. like a team week off because the book was crazy and so great, but also so exhausting. I mean, you know better than anybody. And so uh, I'm excited to just hopefully set some good boundaries and not engage at all. And that's going to be great. You can do it. You can do it. And uh, I feel like it's quite uh, apt, is that the right word, that uh, today's list that we both filled out, uh, list number eight from 52 List for Happiness, is list the things you like to do that don't involve technology. This is like, I I want to hear all the things that you're not going to do. <laughs> yeah. So this is going to kill you. I actually filled out this list March 21st of 2020. Oh, brutal. <laughs> but they're all probably very similar. Yeah. Like, they, they haven't changed much. Do you want me to read them off for you? Yeah, I'd love okay. to hear. So list number eight from the uh, 52 list for happiness. Not sure who wrote it, but she's great. List the things you like to do that don't involve technology. Okay. Read a book. Go on a walk. Play a board game or cards. Have a drink and a good conversation. Have sex. Take a bath. Go to a bar class, talk to friends, play with a dog, nap, go to a museum, pot a new plant, journal slash write, listen to music, have a dance party, go on a hike, go for a drive, and browse a bookstore. That is my list. Mm, That's delicious. I am ashamed that I didn't put have sex on my list. It was so... Apparently that was what I was thinking about in March uh, 2020, which, yeah, tracks based on that time. Yeah, (laughs) it was a harsh time. We all needed a little release. Is there anything on that list that you're especially looking forward to diving into in this next month? That's a great question. Um, I, it's so nice to read for fun. Um, and I've really tried, especially since 2020 to make intentional time for it. And then I will just go in spurts. Like I will forget reading exists and then Mm -hmm. I'll read, you know, three books in a month and then I will go on a reading drought for three months. So actually before I go on my flight tomorrow, I am going to the library tonight to make sure I'm well stocked up. Um, And I'm going to Cabo for the first week with my best friend, my favorite person in the entire world, but she has to work. So I am going to uh, be having a lot of alone time, which is not a bad thing. So I'm just going to bring like four books. That's going to be a bunch of my my luggage so yeah. I'm so glad you can just soak up some time when was the last time that you had this much time off um I took three weeks with Christine in October November 
Um, we go on an annual what we call a friend moon, which is a honeymoon style trip as best friends. And we go somewhere fun and hold each other's hand and tell each other how much we love each other. And uh, but that was like pre-book. And I did that intentionally. And um, uh, my brain was still going the entire time because I was like, OK, when I get home, we have to do this. And when I get home, we have to do that. Um, and now that the book is launched and I did everything I wanted to do, which was really like have an impact and make the New York times bestseller list. I'm like, cool. Now I get to like, not stress as much. So it was three weeks, which was still very substantial, but also like what I realized, um, I work with a coach and something she said to me that absolutely changed my life was that like, we have three blocks of time. We have work, we have time off and we have rest. And time mm. off and rest, we often associate as the same thing. Yeah. And we, yeah, we went to Australia and New Zealand. It was a beautiful trip. I loved it. Um, and I did have rest as part of that. But when you're traveling, you are not necessarily resting, right? No. Like international travel, right? You're trying to figure out like, where do I take my bags? And, oh, I do have to get picked up from the airport at this time. And, oh, I'm driving on the other side of the road, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> you realize like, and I had my coach explain it to me because when she first told me this concept, I didn't really understand it. And she's like, time off is the stuff that like, you're not working, but you're still, your heart rate is still elevated. Right. Yeah. Rest is like, you're not doing anything. Right. Mm -hmm. And most of the things on, on the list that I wrote down were actually like resting activities. True rest. Excited to do some of that. Yeah. That is like, I got COVID the third day of an international trip last fall which was brutal you know when you're traveling I think especially if you're someone from neurodivergence I am autistic and I have ADHD making new decisions in a new place is a lot yeah to then not feel well is a lot but it's a lot just the average person traveling you're making so many decisions and so your brain's going to be exhausted in a new great to travel right huge privilege love it but also yeah I think that um um, I would take vacations with my family and you would just go so hard that you would need like a vacation from your vacation. Right. right. It was just like, how much can you see? How much can you do? And there's something to be said for those kind of trips, but that is not true rest. So no, no. Well, I love that. I'm going to put that in my memory bank, remembering that time off and rest are quite different. It is so true. And I feel like uh, something that I've been reframing for myself is that the, the week the work week of five days and then two days off is built upon capitalism. Uh, it does not give me time <laughs> for true rest. Uh, I take time off and you finally, I feel like most people get to the point of rest Sunday evening and then they're like, oh, but I have to prep for the week ahead. Uh, what a nightmare. I think that kind of, that segues into a question that uh, someone asked me on Instagram to ask you um, that I'm also interested to hear from you is how do we balance um, not only paying off debt and paying off loans while also saving? It yeah. kind of, for me, feels like similar to we're pursuing rest and we're mm. dealing with time off. Uh, these are both important things, but how do we how do we do them at the same time? So you actually don't, you don't do them at the same time, at least to get started. Um I think that the common yeah question that we get beyond anything else is like, I'm overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. Like, tell me where to start. You need an emergency fund before you try to aggressively pay off any sort of debt. And I talk about this more in my book, Financial Feminist, but we want to keep paying our bills, right? It's not like we forego our necessary bills or we like stop paying our credit cards off or at least you like our you know current balances. 
But your first financial goal is an emergency fund, regardless of how much debt you have. Even if you have credit card debt, even if you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans, you need that emergency fund first for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we don't want you going into more debt trying to pay for an emergency because mm-hmm. one always comes up. And two, we prioritize mental health at her first center K. And the last thing I want, we were talking about like feeling stressed and making decisions. Mm-hmm. The last thing I want when you are in a place of hardship is to be worrying about money, right? Oh, I'm in a toxic job and I need to get out, but I don't have money. Oh, my car just, you know, got towed and I, I'm worried about money, right? Oh, so a family member just got sick. And I'm worried about how I'm going to take time off or how I'll be able to afford that, right? That's the last thing you want uh, when you're already elevated nervous system, when you're already stressed. And so um, emergency fund, your starter should be at least three months of living expenses in a high yield savings account. And we talk again more in the book about how to save that emergency fund, how to actually you know, start automating your accounts in order to build that. But that's why we really want to prioritize saving first over actually aggressively paying off debt. Um, because mental health, having that in case of an emergency, um, and also just like peace of mind, knowing like, yeah. okay, there's something in the bank. Yeah, you have that that safety net there first and foremost. Totally. Do you recommend uh, getting a fixed rate loan to tackle your credit debt? Also cover this in the book. Basically, there's like these kind of like three... Uh, I don't know, get out of like debt free cards or like not really, but it's like, you know, like student loan forgiveness is one where it's always like, oh, the student loan's going to be for forget- forgiven. And I'm like, yes, I will support it from a policy standpoint. However, will this actually happen? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, one is like balance transfers, right? Of like moving your credit card uh, debt from one place to another because it's like 0% interest for a certain period of time. And then, yeah, there's debt consolidation or, you know, taking out a loan for the debt. Ultimately, one, you need to make sure that anything you do financially, you work with somebody who's trustworthy and who's not just trying to sell you something. Um, There's a bunch of people out there who are not interested in actually benefiting and helping you. They are just interested in making money. Now, making money is great. I love making money, but not off the backs of other people. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Second thing is it's like all of these can potentially be good solutions if the math checks out and you have a plan. Because mm-hmm. if you take out a loan and that is just like the band-aid solution because you don't want to deal with your financial trauma and you don't want to deal with how you got here in the first place and you don't want to make a plan to pay it off, you are just delaying the inevitable, right? Yep. And if you are taking out a loan to seemingly like pay less in, in interest or pay less on your debt, but let's say the interest rate is lower, great, but the loan length term is longer, the math might not work. You might mm-hmm. actually be paying more money. So again, we have a whole section about this in the book. We have a whole chapter about paying off debt um, and how to do it and how to prioritize. Look at that. She got it. Um, so I think that that is extremely important to make sure that you um, yep, are paying off your debt in a thoughtful way and also that you have a, a plan set up. You're not just like, oh, I'll figure that out later. This sounds like a good option. Also, I want to stop. Remind me your pronouns. I do she and they. It doesn't matter to me. Cool. I just wanted to check. Yeah. It's Thank an interesting you. thing to, you know, the reason why I like they uh, is because when I was little, I felt so especially androgynous. I was yeah. a little kid growing up in the fields of England in a village of 400 people. I was just a gender blob. Sure. Playing around. 
Um, but then I moved to the U.S. and was aggressively faced with the harsh femininity of America. Yeah, and femininity. So I've worked very hard in my life to embrace the woman in me. And also, yeah. I need a word for the parts of me that do not yeah. feel womanly. Yeah. I didn't know if that had updated since the last time we saw each other. So oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, and your pronouns are? She, they. She, they. Excuse me. She, her. I heard you say she, they, and I was like, oh, and then I was like, wait, that's not it. (laughs) My brain was just like, oh, you just heard the thing, so say the thing. And I was like, no, but that's not the thing that's right for me. (laughs) She, her, excuse me. But you're welcome to explore it whenever you want. Uh, I I mean, who who cares, but also care. You know, it's kind of like that. Where it's like, it doesn't matter, but also it does. So, Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, let's take it back for a minute. Speaking of, uh, when we first met, let's chat about the time we first met because it is one of the most vivid moments for me in my epic past career of like, I apologize. No, please do not apologize. It was like the most refreshing moment for me when I had built this big career and big empire. Um, I was speaking on the stage of uh, a women in business conference and they were asking me questions that I kind of found hilarious. Uh-huh. Um, I think they asked me something like, uh, what inspires you? And you, typically I would respond survival, uh, which a lot of people would laugh at, but also I was like, help, help me, please help me out. <laughs> uh, but I think that day I said, um, playing D&D with my friends and you in this crowd of like 200 women were just like, whoop. <laughs> I was like, you, you. I don't remember doing that because I've never played D&D in my life. I don't know. Maybe it was just that it was, if I have to put myself back there, because I remember thinking the same thing and I could tell energetically that you and I at this event were like rolling our eyes a little bit because I got yeah. like a free influencer ticket and I had some mm-hmm. friends who were there and um I am friends with the person who coordinates these events who is incredible but it was there was there was like a certain level just at that event specifically where I was like oh my god yeah oh my here god. we go oh, okay a lot of filler questions and filler answers and I'm not looking for that a lot of boss babe lost. girl boss inspiration porn dream your big dreams live your big life and I'm like yeah. this is all great Truly, it's great. But I need you to also tell me how to dream my dream, big dreams and live my yeah. big life and navigate all of the other things that I have no control over. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And this was at a time, this was before you launched her first 20, It's probably 2018 or early days of HFK. Yeah, either like yeah. late 2018 or early 2019. And her first 100K was rebranded to that in February 2019. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably around that time. So it was so fresh. And I remember you coming up to me and us chatting and I just felt like, oh, here is a sincere person in the sea of, you know, women pursuing the boss babe thing, who I can tell it's all from this space of scarcity and fear and wanting to feel seen with you. I felt like, no, she has a voice. She has a mission. She has a goal. She has a drive. Uh, it's not about proving yeah. it's because you have a passion and I'm so, 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 so excited to see the world support you in your mission, Thank you. to follow you in your mission, to uplift you in your mission, because, uh, you know, I've taken a few different 
education on finances classes and it's just gone out my head. I've also taken lots of classes on um, finances that uh, are completely devoid of a feminist message or an intersectional feminist message. Yep. Uh, they uplift lots of white women, um, but that's it. And that's also something that I have loved in reading your book from the start. You call Thank out, you. here's all the different things that many people are working against. Um, can you, for those who don't know what intersectional feminism is, can you give us yeah. a little blurb about it? I mean, I, uh, as a cisgendered straight white woman, am not the person to give you a definition, um, truly. If I had to, um, it is about, (laughs) it's about realizing that, um, that feminism can be part of your experience or can be, uh, reflective of your experience, but is not the experience of everybody. And I think that's really what I've come to realize is it's like certain truths for me feel like obvious truths because they happen to me. However, that doesn't mean that the capital T truth is Tori Dunlap's truth, right? Mm -hmm. And the understanding that in order to truly have equality and in order to truly have feminism, it has to be intersectional. And it also has to um, acknowledge both hard work and privilege and all of the things that are outside of your control. With personal finance specifically, um, the shitty thing is that for many, many years and still plenty of people who talk about money want to say, okay, it's hundred percent your personal choices, right? If you are not a millionaire, it's because you're not working hard enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And the reality is it's about 20% personal choices, right? It's about 20% getting a budget together and managing your money and being responsible and, you know, taking action. And it's about 80% circumstances, including but not limited to racism, sexism, homophobia, uh, ableism, Mm -hmm. Um, recession, inflation, lack of paid family leave, Mm -hmm. a a really disgustingly low minimum wage. Like these have much more of an impact on your money and on your day-to-day life than like, do I know how to create a budget? So um, one of the things that I've really had to do in my work is start to understand what privilege do I have um, and understand that there's plenty of things that, again, I can give as advice that that are true to me that might not be true to somebody else. Um, And I think it's just that understanding and awareness and then taking that awareness and actually doing something with it. Um, yeah. yeah. Feminism that isn't intersectional is not, is not feminism. And I would say feminism that is uh, <laughs> a lot of like jazz hands and, you know, oh, I'm aware of this, but you don't do anything to actually fix it um, is performative feminism. Right. And it's also really difficult for me because I am a white woman and like we all were, you know, I mean, especially the last couple of years, it's like a really interesting challenge of a lot of things uh, about, again, the truths that you've held or what you believe. And we all are a little bit racist. We all are a little bit sexist. We all are a little bit homophobic because we grew up in a society and a system that is that. Right. Um, and yet for a lot of people, I think they're not willing to even talk about that of like well I'm not racist I'm like you can intend to not be racist right of course we all hopefully intend to not be racist Mm -hmm. however we grow up in a society and a system that is and so you're going to have biases that are actually outside of your control but what you can control is your ability to navigate those and uh the kind of work that you're doing on yourself right for somebody Mm -hmm. who said she didn't have a definition she just talked for five (laughs) minutes but I honestly 
intersectional feminism from a white woman's mouth it's like go go read definitions from from people who actually can give you a proper definition (laughs) (laughs) that's the quick intro blurb from maybe someone who looks like you or identifies like you now go find people who you do not look like you do not identify with and listen yep 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 Um, yep. i mean and that's also uh coming to terms with who you are I think also requires pursuing people unlike yourself so that perhaps you can find the commonalities. It took me a long time to understand that I was queer uh, because of so much internalized homophobia. So I can say that as a now happily identifying queer person, I have been homophobic in the past, even though it is something that I myself hold. And I think that's important for people to understand, too, when especially white people are so avoidant of saying that they hold some racism. Uh, They're like, no, but I worked on it and I fixed it. No, you're probably always going to be acting out a few little racist things, but it's important to be aware of, uh, to acknowledge that it's a journey of learning, progressing in, becoming more aware of over time. And that's as long as you are seeking to progress in your awareness, that is what matters. We have entire, the entire last chapter of my book is like living a financial feminist lifestyle. And it's this Mm -hmm. idea that like anything, whether it's getting good with money or, you know, trying to learn more and live a, a, you know, a feminist life, this is a lifelong process, right? This mm-hmm. is not something that you're doing overnight, right? Getting yeah. good with money, learning how to navigate money, and also learning how to hopefully use money to change the system yes. is an entire thing that you're doing forever, mm-hmm. um, which is actually, you know, you can view that as like really daunting and scary, but is actually a really beautiful way to be more curious about the world around us of like, cool, I get to change and I get to adjust and I get to discover new things all of the time. And like, what a gift. Mm-hmm. And that can be, I know, I know a lot of people, including myself, <laughs> in having written books about mental health, so many of us question, what is my life's purpose? Yeah. Perhaps the whole point of this is just learning. Perhaps the whole point of this is just progressing. Yep. I might blow and- some people's minds. The question that we get, uh, you know, really since we're like three years old, is like, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to be? Right. And I think in college, especially this question is like devastating, right? It's like, mm-hmm. what, are you, what, is you, what are you going to do? Like, what, what are you going to do with your life? And uh, the whole point of life is to figure that out. So we need to stop asking people, what are you going to do with your life? Because no one has the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. We need to ask people, what are you going to do next? Like, what are you interested in next? It right. invites curiosity. It's less paralyzing because it's just like, okay, the next decision. And then maybe that decision is the thing you do for six months or six years. Mm-hmm. Uh and then you get to change and adjust at any time rather than yeah. yeah this like daunting oh my god what is my life's passion and I'm like the point of life is to figure that out you're exactly right, right. there is no I know I remember being a kid and thinking when people ask me what are you going to do when you're older or even I don't like asking people when I meet people I don't ask them what do you do I'm like what are some things that you are doing what are some things that you're right. learning right now uh what do you it's a very american about? thing too no one else asked that like right you know i'll be in another country traveling and it takes them two hours to finally be like what do you do for work like but yeah. that's the second question it's what's your name and what do you do right mm-hmm. and my mentor always says you're a human being not a human doing yes i love that yeah. when you were a kid so you grew up in a family who prioritized uh understanding your finances you observed parents 
being very mindful with their finances and talking to you about it. Um, Did you ever expect growing up that you would work in this world? No, no. (laughs) If you would have asked me like five years ago, if this was the plan, well, let's see, I have to do that. I always say five and I'm like every year now we have to do, no, that would have been 2018 still. No, probably not. Um, no, it was, um, you and I have had conversations about this. We are very like creative people. Like I was a theater major. I majored in Mm -hmm. theater and organizational communication, which is like marketing with less math. And I grew up singing, dancing, acting, playing piano, like music was huge for me and, and performance. And like, that's what I thought I was going to do with my life. And, um, to be vulnerable, there's times where I miss it very much. And I wonder if it's still something I am going to do with my life eventually. Um, cause I do miss it. But I feel like with my current work, from a selfish standpoint, it like tickles the performance bone enough where, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm here talking to you. I go on stages and speak. I'm I'm doing that. And obviously this work is also just so important and I can see the impact of it. Yeah. And it also makes me money. It makes me a shit ton of money. So like, why would, <laughs> great, cool. Um, and that's actually why I chose not to pursue theater was um, I chose the stable option, which was like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to get a job in marketing because again, it like tickles enough bones of like, okay, I got the storytelling. I'm connecting with people. I'm doing all of those things. So uh, it's, it's interesting to reflect about where I thought I'd be versus where I am in many ways. Um, you know, it's, it's, greater than I expected in some ways it's exactly what I expected and in some ways it's very different than what I expected totally. I think you and I have both figured out how to you know we both come from creative backgrounds my degree was in studio art I love to sing I used to be a musician we both have found ways to be creative to utilize some things that we learned within these different worlds I still work in photoshop I still perform in a way by talking on a podcast we're getting little pieces of those past selves that we built um but we also live in a capitalist system and we're figuring out (laughs) how to exist within that make sure that we are financially stable uh and then inserting the fun in wherever we can one thing thing that i am pursuing next week is i'm auditioning for the seattle women's choir because i realized like i just need uh and i'm sure you also feel this being your own boss is absolutely a privilege for sure but Oh my God, so many decisions all the time. I exhausting. Want to... Exhausting. Exhausting. Uh, ne- never stops. Ever. It never stops. And the sky is falling all the time. Always. And uh and it, it yeah, all that's the shit you, you don't fully expect. Because yes, so many of this is so much of this is great. Also, it's so funny you say that because my partner has been being he's like you need to get back in a choir. Like you need to go perform. And I'm like, I'm traveling so much. I'm doing all of these things that it like, it just logistically doesn't make sense. But like, I love that you're doing that. That makes me so happy. Yeah. I hope that at some point, uh, when it feels right, you join. That would be yeah. so fun. Yeah, because I miss it. I miss it very yeah. much. And I am in my longest, I've I've said now it's been for years. I'm in my longest drought of not doing theater ever. Because mm-hmm. I was in a show every single year starting when I was five, sometimes two shows up until my senior capstone when I was like 21, 22. Oh. And I mean, I'm 28. So it's the longest, longest <laughs> I've ever gone without doing theater. Yeah. And I it. think uh, kind of bringing it back to being your own boss too, like what makes me excited to be immersed in that community is to have someone else directing me. 
I literally, yeah. I crave that. So you that. don't have to make decisions. Oh, yes. that's great. Yeah. No, it's kind of like when I do go to the like grocery store with my partner and I'm like, I would like you to just lead me around mm-hmm. or like drive. I don't want to drive, make, make mm-hmm. all the decisions. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so interesting. You're exactly right. You need, you need that balance. Um, okay. So I have some other questions for you. I would love to hear, um, how would you kind of parse apart the, hmm, how do I explain this? You have had some insane career minds, career milestones. What are some of the things that have been most exciting for you? in your career and then what sort of career milestones did happen that you kind of afterwards were like oh actually that doesn't matter much all of them yeah yes and (laughs) no like all of them don't matter Mm -hmm. yeah oh it's gonna make me cry a new york times i worked i can't even tell you how hard i worked Mm mm-hmm it's no joke trying to get on the New York Times. It is. And like when I am not in a contract, <laughs> I will really tell the story. Yeah. It was it was so difficult. Like not just the stuff that you were seeing publicly, but there was so much shit behind the scenes that was just oh boy. Very difficult. And um me getting that was such a validation of um so much hard work and not just that like six months or a year, but like five years, six years of like Mm -hmm. creating this business to get to this point. Yeah. And then, you know, I got stupid drunk that day and just like celebrated. It was great. And then the next morning I woke up hungover, but I was also like, nothing changes now. Yeah. Like my mom called me because, you know, my mom doesn't obviously know how any of this works. And I didn't before, you know, a year ago. And she was like, so what happens now? Like what, what is what, the New York times? What do you get? And I'm like, I get to say I'm a New York times bestseller for the rest of my life, which is incredible. Right. But also like nothing changes. And she was like, Oh, okay. And I was like, in theory, I'll get more speaking engagements in theory. If I wanted to write another book, like it's going to make that easier to get a book deal. Uh, it's, you know, going to help with like the promotion of the business, but like nothing really changes. Right. Are you a different person? No, I'm not. But I like, I knew that if I didn't completely exhaust myself, I would always wonder if I could have done more. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of disgusting and icky, but also like I couldn't have done it any other way. Yeah. Um, like in some ways it scratches an itch to push yourself to yeah the you no go, it was yeah. literally just like i'm leaving it all out there you know mm-hmm. and we're like you know minute left in the game let's just put it all out there so yeah i feel like a, that was the one i'm still processing where i wanted it so badly and i was obsessed with it and then i got it and i felt i felt so elated and i also felt so depleted mm-hmm. um and yeah nothing changes and that's what you realize sometimes about accomplishing your goals it's just like sometimes with goals, you have a like distinct impact, right? But very rarely does that impact happen literally overnight, right? Right. Um, if you have like a fitness goal or something and you achieve it, it's like, it's always, I mean, all of the cliches are true, right? It's the journey, not the destination, but you realize like how your life had changed to progress into that goal, not necessarily because you hit it. Right. Um, I think and it's also almost just like that brutal awakening is actually what taught you the most, not so much the achievement, but just yeah. achieving and then realizing 
this and, does not change me. And something I've struggled with a lot over the past couple of years is um, so many people know me by my accomplishments, my professional accomplishments and my professional mm-hmm. resume. And um, I want that to be the least interesting thing about me. Yeah. Yet I feel like sometimes that is the interesting thing to people. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart a little bit because yeah. I especially talk about like, you know, with my friendships and, you know, my relationship with my partner where I'm like, you know, compliments about like how high achieving I am are always sweet. Like I will accept a compliment always, but like, I would much rather hear from you. And again, not dishonestly, but that I am a good friend that I make you laugh, that I, uh, showed up when, you know, life was really hard for you, that I bring joy to your life, that I'm dependable. Um, those are the things that I really value that, uh, of course, under capitalism are not valued, but also just right. like, it's so interesting when I've been professionally successful, but personally struggling, how difficult it is to hear from someone, oh my God, you're killing it. And I'm like, yeah, I was crying on the bathroom floor last night, but right. yes, professionally we're doing great. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And again, clearly still raw for me. I'm a, I'm a little teary and, and I'm also just so, I am like such a driven, ambitious person and I'm trying to, because that has gotten me to where I am today and I'm so thankful for it. It's also a fucking drug that I overdose on all the time that demands more than I can give um, and more than I'm willing to give, but I give it anyway. And, um, the last probably yeah year or two and into this year, especially after going so fucking hard last year, um, I am really excited to uh, begin to understand how to set boundaries with that ambition mm-hmm. and how to navigate it in a healthy way and uh, to be really fucking excited at the present moment as opposed to yes. the moments that are coming. Yeah, you need, I, I want this for you and I'm excited to see you create it for yourself because I fully believe uh, that the passion, like you live with passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever you're going to do, you do it wholeheartedly. I'm so excited to see you create space passionately for rest. That's that's a great way of putting it. I mean, maybe that's, uh, I want to write that down. It's almost like I need to use the same ambition to rest as hard as possible. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that has been so, uh, the challenge for me the last two years since closing my store. I built a giant store. My books have sold. I loved being coffee. there, by the way. It was yeah. Um, my, my, yeah, my best friend, Christine, actually introduced me to you and was like, oh my gosh, she has a store too. And I was like, oh, I saw her speak the other day. That was like way back in the day. And yeah, we yeah. went to that store many, many a time, her and I together. And it was my public height, but internally, my personal woe. Yeah. Uh, I was doing, I was achieving, I wanted to prove to myself that I was worth all of this. I wanted to prove to all the people from my past who didn't believe me that I can. Yep. Oh, I have the biggest chip on my shoulder. I'm like, I am out here being like, any ex-boyfriend, if you Google me, you're going to eat shit. Like, (laughs) that is, that is it. That is 100% it. (laughs) And I think you need to, yeah, you need to go hard. You need to do that. And then once you've gotten that out of the way, that gives you the space to be like, okay, I've done my proving. And that's what I've done the last few years. I've done my proving. I deserve some rest. 
will it affect my career? Will it affect my public persona? Yes. Uh, will people treat me differently? Yes. Um, but I've seen the arch of, you know, when I first was starting out in my career and going to different conferences and trying to connect with people, how they didn't give me the time of day. Then once I had a public su- success, they wanted to be my best friend. Yeah. I knew that as soon as I rested, those people again would drop away. Right. Uh, and those are the people we don't need in our lives. Yeah. Um, and I can see, yeah, this is what just makes me so excited to have you not only on this podcast, but to know you and to have seen you through so much to chat, have chatted with you through so much through highs and lows. Um, yeah, because you, (laughs) you've gone hard, you're 28 years old. Um, and you have so much more time uh, to rest and to explore yourself. And I'm just so thrilled to get to witness all of it. I'm here to be someone who will hype the you that is behind all of the stuff that. that you've done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What has it been like, you know, uh, <laughs> what's it been like dealing with the haters? Fuck them. Um, no, it's uh, it's more nuanced than that. I was was, uh, was on stop three of my book tour, and somebody asked, like, how do you show up on social media? And I'm like, understand that, like, no one, not everybody's going to like you, even if yeah. you are the most likable person in the entire world. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. And um, I joke that I am the I am the real-life Leslie Nope, um, and that's very <laughs> difficult for me because, like, yeah. ultimately, I do have, like, fuck you energy, but also I'm, like, a little – a uh, little soupy bean who's just like, I want yeah. you to like me. Please like me. Please like me. I feel like mm. if we just got coffee, you would like me. Um, and so that's been difficult to navigate. Uh, I don't care when men stay stupid shit. Truly, I don't because they're not my target audience and I don't care what they have to say. It's women. Like actually two days ago, I had a fun little moment where I sat and read all my Goodreads reviews. I'm not going to do that again. No. And there are plenty that are lovely and I blaze right through those and I go to the two star that is like this fucking white woman and her fucking white privilege. And I'm like, yes, and I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. And it's yes. If you put my face on that cover. Yeah. It's a white woman. And like inherently maybe it is white feminism, but I'm trying to not do that. And if you read past maybe the first page of the book, you would understand that we get there. We talk about that. So, um, I knew this was going to happen, right? I knew it back in October when I was writing. I knew it back two years ago, because but it's hard. It's still hard. And especially when mm-hmm. you feel like you're doing the best you can yeah. to acknowledge things and to do this. And then somebody's like, it's not enough. I'm like, I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> um, so, you know, but it's also poor white woman shit, I know. So I think that, um, yeah, what I've realized is people who uh give you feedback one have to earn the right to give you feedback and that's Mm -hmm. through trust and mutual understanding and also them doing as much if not more than you there's a beautiful quote that no one is criticizing you who's doing more than you and the second thing is that feedback is meant to actually make you better yeah criticism is there to watch you burn yes feedback right wants loves you and wants the best for you and it's like hey I see what you're trying to do and maybe try it this way because I want to see you succeed right versus criticism is it's like I've never liked her 
something's always like been a little bit off about her and like I'm sitting here with popcorn and a pitchfork and a torch just watching her burn and that makes me happy Mm -hmm. those are not the same thing yeah it requires uh awareness that (sighs) while you yourself might be in the 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 healthy mindset of I want to approach the world with curiosity right I'm and that requires vulnerability. It requires me being open up to other people approaching me with curiosity or with their projections and their judgments and their fear and all of that. Uh, it's really hard to sit in that headspace in those moments when you get pinged <laughs> by different criticisms uh, that are not productive. Um, but at the end of the day, you are literally doing work that seeks to uh, give people a platform to create space for each person to have their own platform. And I am grateful for that. And I know so many are. So fuck the haters. Thank you. I appreciate it. Sorry, guys. Something that I love about your book, um, I've both been reading it and listening um, to the audiobook. This helps my brain yeah we, I, things. there have been so many people actually who have said the same thing or like I purchased an audio copy and I wanted a physical copy after I realized like I should take notes or like yeah it's actually way more people than I expected who have purchased two copies which is it's really nice yeah because yeah. we all absorb information in different ways and I have loved that you know I <laughs> my intense energy I go into think things thinking like I'm gonna read this all the way through in one day that's mm-hmm. not helpful no do you, you should see my little note to you yeah <laughs> I have so a note nice. in, the, in the introduction where I'm like do yeah. not do this in one sitting yeah. do not even do this in two sittings like yeah. you need to slowly read this and uh actually apply the homework and that's gonna take some time and you will get burned out. You will get overwhelmed if you try yeah. to do this all at once. And a lot yeah. of people have been messaging me and they're like, hi, I ignored you and I read it all, but now I'm reading it again. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. I'll tolerate that. Fair. But like people, yeah, especially with money, I think you get in and you're like, cool, I'm going to do everything. And then you immediately get overwhelmed and you're like, nah, I'm out. And that's what we're trying to avoid. Yeah. And I'm trying to listen as I'm like uh, dipping. I'm looking back into my old Shopify business that I haven't looked at for two years. I'm dipping back into QuickBooks after avoiding it for a while. All these things have updates and different things. And I'm like, but I need to relearn it in a day. No, listen to what Tori said. Apply that to everything. (laughs) Everything's going to take some time. And something that I love about your book is the fact that it has different areas in it to write in to put pen to paper to process different things that's also really helpful for me as a neurodivergent person to not just read it to not just hear it but to put my words into the pages too so I can see I can connect your words to my experience so thank you for adding that kind of workbook element into the book as well that's That's great feedback thank you yeah um so did you I feel like you consider mental health in all that you do. I try to. Uh, yeah. And it, it feels that way. How would you say you approached writing your book with mental health in mind? Oh, I mean, that was everything. We spent the entire first chapter, which is the longest chapter of the book and the chapter I spent the most time on, um, talking about the emotions of money. And really, I mean the psychology of money, right? Um, why do you uh, overspend and you can't seem to stop? what are the sort of narratives you've been believing about money and how are those affecting not just 
your finances, but your body and your brain and your scarcity and all of that. Um, and I think that unfortunately that's something that very few money books do mm-hmm. is they either give you the mindset and they're like, cool, everything sucks, have fun. Or they just dive into the paying off debt and the saving money. And when people sabotage themselves after six months and then they wonder why they don't have an explanation for it. So we really tried to do both. I try to give you the actionable advice and it's definitely in there. We're teaching you all of the things, step-by-step investing, step-by-step debt payoff, creating a budget without wanting to die, how to save money, how to spend money thoughtfully. But we're also, before we do any of that, spending an entire chapter talking about why, again, why do I have this emotional trauma around money? Why uh, do I believe that people with money are bad? Uh, Why do I believe that the pursuit of wealth is wrong? Um, And if any of those things connect with you, they're all in the book. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, uh, mental health is everything. And again, just like, you know, when you go to therapy for the first time and they're like, talk about your childhood, like all of this, even money stems from how you watched family members manage money. And again, this is the kind of society you grew up in around money. So if you don't work to understand that and work to understand how to navigate it, um, you will not be very successful or you will not be as successful as you could be. So I think that that is, um, we did it a hundred percent intentionally and it was based on my coaching and based on my workshops where I would go to people and I would do the actionable advice. And then, yeah, they would come to me in three to six months and they'd be like, I went on a spending binge and I'm not sure why that happened. And I was like, Oh, we have to get a little sticky first. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. The therapy of it all. It is wild. It is wild becoming an adult and slowly waking up to the things that you do, the ways that you think, the actions that you take that are just repeated patterns from your upbringing. I grew up with a dad who's like, I'm bad at money. I'm bad at money. I'll just hire an accountant. That one is speaking from a place of privilege that you have the ability to hire an accountant. Uh, Two, it's so avoidant. Three, you're speaking to yourself uh, just with a blanket statement, I I do not have the capacity to learn. There's so many different narratives that were going on there that I just boop applied to myself, um, and I sought I sought to fulfill uh, in their negative language, which now makes me realize like, oh, is my dad actually bad at managing money? Am I actually bad at managing money? No, I think it's just that I uh, never practiced. I didn't have an example. I didn't have a resource. And I think so many people who were born into bodies with a uterus, uh, we were put in a position to not learn because we were brought up in a family that says it's not your job or you don't have the brain for it. You're too creative. You're too whatever. You do have the capacity. And that I also feel and hear in your book and in all that you do. It's okay that you didn't know or haven't known up until this point, ask those stupid questions and let's get past it. How important do you think, what do you think helps people start to ask those first stupid questions? A safe space to be vulnerable. Yeah, That's the big thing. Um, and understand that you're not going to get like Chad being like, you're stupid and you're a girl so get out of here um which still happens it sounds like middle school shit but that like still happens in plenty of financial communities so first is like yeah the safe space and we offer that at her first 100k no judgment no shame is like the safe space to ask those questions two plenty of people don't even get to the asking questions because they don't know what questions to ask right 
So if you are that person who's just so overwhelmed and they're like, I can't ask what a Roth IRA is because I don't even know that exists. Mm -hmm. This book is also helpful for you because it's going to break all of the things down uh, in a really accessible way and uh, never assumes that you know something. I have sat on plenty of panels with people who are very smart and who are, you know, high up in a financial services role, but they'll pull out things like asset allocation and like stock shorting. And you're like, I don't know what the fuck these things are, but we're out here explaining like how money works with office references and Timothy Chalamet gifts. And like, that's how it should be taught. So, um, (laughs) yeah, if you are that person who's like, I'm afraid of asking a stupid question, one, you're in the wrong community Two, um, you are probably shaming and judging yourself and that's a hundred percent normal, but um, shame is the one human emotion that is not productive. Every other human emotion is productive, right? Even the ones that we think are messy and negative, like anger or fear or um, sadness or frustration. These are all beneficial in some way. Shame just makes you feel like shit. It has no actual benefit. So do everything you can to talk kinder to yourself And then also three, consume financial resources that don't make you feel like shit, right? Whether that's me or somebody else, find people who can teach you this in a way that doesn't make you feel small, that doesn't make you feel like shit, and um, also uses a a systemic oppression lens, which is like, hi, maybe this isn't your fault. (laughs) Right. And shame comes up a lot in the book, especially in the beginning. Um, And it's interesting now that I think about this, and you, you talked about the framework of work time off and rest. I feel like shame can exist in time off, but it is not welcome in rest. I, when I have time off, I feel like shame is a very common uh, experience that I have of like, but how do I get to rest? But do I need to be working Uh, to truly step into that space of rest? uh, We must address shame. And that is something that I feel like is brought up so much in your book that I love. You've got, you've got your queen, Brene Brown, giving little bits of wisdom all throughout. Always, always. (laughs) That woman can do whatever she wants to me. No, I love it. Uh, if you if you have seen Tori on the internet, you will know she loves Brene Brown and she loves Timothy. Yes, Chalamet. very much. And it, I don't know if you're releasing the video for this, but we have a Timothy Chalamet cardboard cutout and then a devotional candle. Oh yeah, devotional candle. <laughs> yep. I feel like has he has he reached out to you yet oh my god that's very kind of you to even think he would um he's such a big big deal um his like hair and makeup artist and i follow each other and so he might know i exist okay. who knows okay. um but here's the thing as i'm like such a fangirl but i also need to play it down because he's not gonna marry a fangirl so True. i it's like the delicate balance between like i need to get seen um but also like he needs to see me as a person and not a crazy lady so um yeah I joke that this whole her first 100k financial feminist thing is just some bullshit and that I don't actually give a shit about any anybody and that I'm just in this to like get my way closer to Timothy Chalamet um that's the true goal yeah yeah fuck everybody fuck everybody I don't care person once he finally says perfect (laughs) perfect no it's great um yeah I, I reference him probably like eight times in the book and even in my like bio in the book. <laughs> so it's great. Hey, great. you know, when someone it's, this is, this is what makes you just 
a normal person. And I just well, love him so much. <laughs> this is one of the things that we just find most adorable about you. Hey, thank you. I just, I just, uh, yeah, I want all the good things for him in the world. We love him. I just want, I want to look like him. I want his pretty, pretty Shh. hair. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, his sister is on the sex life of college girls, right? A bunch no. Of are, like mind blown by that. Yeah. Pauline Chalamet is also a actor and okay. a director. All right. And, um, yeah, if you wanted to figure out what his features look like on a traditionally feminine person, then there you okay. go. Those are my new goals. And, you know, if he doesn't connect to you, though, at least, like, she can be your best friend. Like, uh, Great. However, in the family. would it be slightly manipulative? Probably. Quite. Very I'm like, much. No, I, I'm sure you're great. However, I'm just trying to get to your brother. Yeah. Just so you know. Sorry. I am a 12-year-old girl. Pauline Chalamet, if you're listening, truly, I do want to be your friend. You sound like a great person. I also am self-aware enough to realize that there would be a little teeny tiny part of me that was in it for the wrong reason. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fine. We won't. We won't do it. Well, uh, one, I guess, to to wrap it up, I would love to hear... So you are going to be doing some reading on your time off. Are there any yeah. other things that you're looking forward to in getting away from napping, <sighs> napping, um, deleting my social media, not going on it, uh, yeah. especially her first hundred K social media, um, walks, good food, mm. taking care of my body, like going and working yeah. out and shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited. Delicious. Relaxing. I want a massage. Yeah. Get a massage. Yeah. Get a face facial. You know, you could just do like a full makeover, dye your hair a different color, get a perm, get some face tattoos, come back and be like, I'm a new me. Are you wow. ready for this? <laughs> That's a, a great suggestion. Thank you. It's a little intense. Maybe don't do that, but do. Definitely just not the face cool. tattoos. Um, no. But I... Get a I keep seeing TikTok is is doing this. I think on purpose. I keep seeing all these people dyeing their hair red, and I'm oh, like, should I? But I have a red complexion, so I don't think it would work. I don't know. We're gonna figure it out. I might have okay. red hair by the time this comes out. Who knows? I can't wait to see it. Well, I'm so happy to know you, the person you that you are at your me. very core. I love seeing your success. But even more so, I just love knowing that you are the person that you are. And thank Thanks. you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Thanks I appreciate for you. Let me All chat right. for a while. Peace out, everyone.